You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Well, we've been having ourselves a time. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been on a series called Non-Negotiable, and I thought we were done it, we were finished with it a few weeks ago, and the Lord's just been relentless with me about this. And I want to remind you all why we went on this series. It's all been about trusting God. How many people believe trusting God is important? Do you think 2020 taught us anything? It taught us trusting God is important. And the Lord instructed me when we started this, he said that my people need to go to a whole new level of trust. And he just taught me to teach. He just said, you need to teach. And that's what we've been doing. We've been going through stories in the Bible. And how many people were here last week? We went over David and Bathsheba's story. And we talked about trusting God out of our own mess. You know, sometimes people want to trust God for great miracles, but they don't want to trust God to get out of their own mistakes, out of their own things. And David had to learn that. And the week before, we talked about while I'm here, we talked about Paul going to Malta when he really wanted to be in Rome and how a whole storm threw his whole, all of his plans off. And I highly encourage you to go back and watch those. But tonight, I've had this story in my heart for so weeks, and this is one of those stories that's a story we all hear growing up if you've been in the church. I, I did not grow up in the church. I did not have that privilege. Um, I did not grow up in the church. Some people have, and they heard Bible stories, but I really believe that what we're going to talk about tonight, the reason that I, even f- I fought to even talk about it is because it's just one of those stories that if you don't talk about it right, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to minister on it right, it is just, it, it's, t- it's too much ammunition to hold. And I want to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tonight. And the reason I want to is because of it's so in line with where we're at as a society. Does everybody realize that society and culture is becoming more anti-Christ as the second goes by? That the anti-Christ spirit is no longer just an individual. It's a culture. It's a society. That everything, you know, I have conversations with all the time, people, you know, why there's bigger issues going on, our government wants to talk about gender, like they have a degree in gender or something. But you know, the reason why they even want to talk about those things is because the enemy wants to remove gender because he wants to remove anointing. Because your anointing is in your identity. And if you can't even find your identity because the world's confusing you on every little line, pretty much what I'm getting at is you have to draw a line in the sand and say, if culture's going to keep going more and more anti-God, how much am I going to go along with it before I say, wait? You know what I'm saying? The church has been very tolerant of the world, been very tolerant of all these things going on. And tonight, you can, you can turn to a neighbor and say, this is what the subtitle is. What are you looking at? 
you know, maybe you can get a little snarky with them. You're like, what are you looking at? You know, or, uh, or maybe you could say it lovely. Maybe you're, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're fishing. What are you looking at? No, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, what are you looking at? And you could be asking yourself this. I don't even know what that has to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I didn't either. That's why the Lord had to help me. Uh, but if you turn to Daniel chapter 3, we're going to get right into this. Just have a few things I want to say as you're going there. You camp there and we'll get there. But are you excited tonight? Please, please be expectant tonight that something great is going to take place, that you're going to get the exact word that you need dealing with whatever circumstance that you're going through. Do you, you know, when you stop wondering where God is and you realize he's right here, everything changes. So many people, they're wondering where God is, but he's right here. He's a now God. He's an immediate God. He's right here. And a few things the Lord's been just really dealing with me about and some of the stuff you've all heard millions of times, but we need to hear it again and again. Did you know the name of Jesus is a mic drop? You don't need another fame. The name of Jesus alone is a mic drop. Uh, and if we want, what did Jesus say? Pray that heaven would come to earth. So if we want heaven to come to earth, we need to do what heaven's doing. What is heaven doing? Worshiping Jesus. Jesus is the center of heaven, and all the angels are worshiping nonstop. If we want the same results in heaven, then we need to do what heaven's doing in our heart. Our heart needs to be heaven's orchestra that we are just loving on Jesus nonstop. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, it says that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you treasure his presence, your heart will always be in his presence. If you treasure him, your heart will always be with him. This is why we have to get this in our heart. When Jesus said, I have come to give you what? Life and life more abundantly. We've We've, I feel like sometimes we've been robbed with that scripture just thinking that God's coming to give you the American dream. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? So when he said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly, what he said, I came to give you me and me more abundantly. It changes everything. It changes from, oh, I just want this. I, I'm learning in my own life. I was telling my wife on the way over here tonight that the true reward of faith is not compensation from God, but the company of God. The true reward of faith is not compensation from God, but the company of God. And we're going to learn that more and more because I really, I have fallen victim to making faith all about getting something from God. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying that the, if the emphasis isn't Jesus, you will always be left disappointed. You will always be. And that's what I want every, if this is your first time here, that's why I'm saying if you, you, if you want to hear anything, hear this, that God wants a radical relationship with you and that you can have that with him at any moment. And that's what we desire. One taste of the goodness of God and no other meal can satisfy. Nothing exposes how little this world has to offer than one glance of Jesus. He's everything. And you learn that more and more. Amen? 
please hear me tonight. He loves you so much. As we go through the story, in Daniel chapter 3, to set the scene, <laughs> there's three Hebrew boys, and their buddy Daniel has, isn't included in this because he's got a date with a lion later in the book. <laughs> and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these boys... If you know a little bit about Israel history, there was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. And it was made up of Judah and, the Benja and Benjamin's tribe, and they were together. And King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon at this time, and Babylon is always a representation of a bunch of knowledge, a bunch of a, a bunch of people that just think they know it all. They're worshiping a bunch of false idols. They're worshiping uh, their own. They're really into moon worshiping. They're into all these different things. And King Nebuchadnezzar takes over Judah. So he takes Judah and brings them into captivity. And all the, the Israelites from Judah, all of them that are there, are now enslaved to Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And the three Hebrew boys and Daniel, they, they, they made themselves so useful that King Nebuchadnezzar put them in high places of ranking. He put them in places of top officials, even though that they were enslaved. But I want you to see something as we read tonight, because even the Israelites, remember, has anybody heard of Moses before we talked about Moses? That when, when Moses was in Israel and all the Egyptians and the Israelites were there, they were getting food on their plates because remember when the Israelites are in the wilderness, they wish they were back in slavery when they weren't getting to the promised land. Isn't it amazing how so many Christians will just keep their mouth shut if nothing gets ruffled in their life? That nobody takes a stand for Christ if everything just goes okay. People are okay with being bound. That's what I'm getting at. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they became officials because there was a takeover, but there's something about when you say yes to God, that when you truly say yes to God, you're going to find yourself in places you actually never wanted to be. Do you know why that's biblical? Remember when Jesus rose from the grave and he's having a conversation with Peter? He says, one day they're going to take you somewhere you don't want to go and they're going to hang you somewhere. You Does that sound? Oh, don't preach that. That's what Jesus told his right hand man. He says, they're going to take you a place you don't want to go. And, and he was talking about, you're going to be crucified. You know what Peter does when Jesus is saying that to him? He looks at John and says, what about him? Jesus says, what does that have to do with you and me? That so many times we're looking at others and comparing and comparing, but you don't realize that that's even keeping you bound. We don't need, you know, when you copy somebody else, you rob the body of Christ of your gifting. When you copy someone else, you rob us, the body of Christ, of what God needs to do in you. It's okay to mimic character, don't mimic calling. You can copy someone's character attributes, but you don't want to mimic their calling, because only they're anointed to do that. You're anointed to do something. Somebody, somebody say amen to that. We, we, don't need, we don't need a, 
we don't need more meows, we need more roars. You know, what I, you know what I mean by that? We don't need copycats meowing, we need roars. We need you to find out who you really are. You're, you're a lion. God's called you to be king of the jungle, called you to be king of everything that's going on, right? We talked about it a couple weeks ago, right? A lion, when it roars, it's not the biggest animal in the jungle, but it thinks it is, right? <laughs> like, when a lion roars, the elephant listens up. The elephant's bigger, but the lion's like, I'm king, bro. The lion's confident. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in charge of some sectors. And once again, to set the scene, has anybody read the book of Daniel before? It's actually a crazy book to read. It's a, a lot of people say you need to read it co-aligned with Revelation because Daniel is actually a lot about eschatology. If you're not familiar with eschatology, it's the study of the end times, study of Christ's return. The book of Daniel is very, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's mesmerizing. Uh, the symbolism and everything. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, sorry, I'm going to knock a monitor over. But Nebuchadnezzar really represents even the beast in the book of Revelation because you know what Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel interprets a dream of Nebuchadnezzar and he talks about gold and him taking over. You know what Nebuchadnezzar does in chapter 3? He builds a huge golden statue because he allowed a word of the Lord to go to his head. You got to make sure you don't get too cocky when the Lord's called you to do something. Like just because, I've seen this happen before. Somebody lays their hand on somebody and they get healed. They think they have a healing ministry now. Everybody invite me to be a healing minister. It's like, no, we're all called to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen? Amen. Somebody, you know, soon as somebody does something to the Lord, all of a sudden you got to make sure you don't let it go to your head. It's all through him and by him. We're just vessels yielding to him. Amen? Yeah. So, so. Nebuchadnezzar, he builds a 90-foot-tall gold statue of himself. And we laugh at that, but guess what we do? We start a social media account and beg everybody to like our pictures. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, he's like, he built a golden statue and said, everybody, and you know what he did? He said, everybody, come and bow down to this, and we're gonna to get to that in a second, how it went about. But he builds this statue because he let a dream get to his head. But what, does, what are the commandments of God? You shall not worship any other God but me. You will not put up an image. And these Hebrew boys, being they know the commandments, and they know they're gonna honor their God no matter what. So if you could, I know I set the scene, go to verse five. <laughs> verse 5 of chapter 3 and this is right after the statue is built it says that at the time you hear the sound of the horn the flute the harp the library the the psaltery the symphony and with all kinds of music you shall fall down and worship the gold image that is king nebuchadnezzar has set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a fiery burning furnace so at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the symphony of all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the gold image, which is King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Does anybody see something here? This is talking about a global order, talking about everybody, every nation, everybody bowing down 
Do you see that this is prophetic? All the way back here. He's, but here, you got to catch this because what, what causes them to bow? A sound, music. What was Satan before? He was the worship leader of heaven. He was made to get people to bow to God. So now that he has fallen, what is his job? Is to get people to bow down to him. Do you know how people bow down to Satan? Bowing down to anything but God. That's why the road is broad. Satan's not trying to get you to bow down to him. He just wants to get you to bow down to anything but God. And it's a sound. And some of you got to hear this tonight because a sound is a trigger. They just got used to it. That every time they heard the sound, these Israelites, they're, you have to understand that only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the ones that's, that eventually are going to stand up to this. This is a whole nation of Israel. But they just, long as they had food on the table and they were getting by, they were okay with being bound. But it takes a man or a woman of God that says, no! It takes somebody that says, I serve one God. If worship means something to you, you don't give it to anybody but him. Amen. And, and what is happening here is that there's a trigger. There's triggers that you might not even be aware of and they're getting revealed tonight. That there might be something you see, something you hear, and it automatically, you don't realize, but you begin to bow down to Satan's agenda for your life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That there's been, there's, I, I, I want to share even from my own experience, there's been times when I used to be hooked on drugs that if I even saw a movie with somebody snorting a line of cocaine, it could just be a movie, guess what? I bowed because I would see something. I would hear something. I would hear people talk about it. Is anybody, am, I, am I just preaching myself? You know that Satan teaches you, he's like, he's teaching you, you're becoming his pet, his dog. That he triggers you with things. And until you say, this book is what I am abiding by. And I'm going to renew my mind. And I'm going to serve the one God and one God only. You have to draw a line in the sand. And you can't allow these triggers to come and happen. And Lucifer is very, and you have to understand that Lucifer knows that God wants his glory. Do you know that's what he wants? When Jesus would even pray about he said god it's time for me to reveal your glory it's time for me to it was all about the glory because satan knows that god wants the glory so what he does is when you give into temptation you give the devil god's glory but i want to share with you wherever there's a temptation of the enemy there's an invitation from god for intimacy he always gives a way of escape what does it say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? I'll actually read it to you. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Everyone say, God is faithful. <laughs> Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. So when the enemy comes with temptation, God comes with an invitation. And if you 
don't give in to the temptation, if you don't bow to the temptation, but you say, you know what? I'm going to go after Jesus right now. Because if the enemy's trying to tempt you, he knows that God is about to take you into a whole new level of glory with him. And if you would just say no to that and look at Jesus, what did we say tonight was, what are you looking at? Have you ever been having a conversation? Like if I'm talking to my wife right now, say, start talking to me about something. Just start talking to me about Bliss's birthday today. It's Bliss's birthday today. If she's talking to me and I'm looking at CJ the whole time, eventually, what are you going to do? No, you're going to look at him because you're going to wonder why I'm looking at CJ the whole time you're looking at me. This is what happens that when you are when you are looking at something, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're just looking off at something else and eventually you're just like, what the heck are you looking at? The enemy can't get you if you keep your eyes on Jesus. If you keep looking at Jesus, the enemy's trying to, he's, he's dancing in his underwear and everything. He's trying to get you to, to sin, to come along, and you just got your eyes on Jesus. And, and, he, and, 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 and what's going to happen is people are going to see that they're going to want to know what you're looking at. This happens a lot in my life that sometimes people want to know, Dom, what, like, what? How did you overcome this? How did you overcome this? And I try to tell people, it, I fell in love with Jesus. Like people want a, a bigger explanation. They want something else. But I want you to know that when you keep your eyes on him, when you keep that wherever the temptation is, there's an invitation from him that you should actually get excited when the enemy tempts you. Isn't that crazy? That when the enemy tempts you with something, you should be like, God, I got the letter. The enemy tried to counter you, but I know that you're here and that you want me to experience your joy and your strength in a way I never have before. Amen. Is that minister to someone tonight? Some, being tempted, we all are tempted. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 that Jesus was even tempted. We read about his temptations. But I love the one scripture in Luke. It says he entered the, the wilderness being led by the Spirit, but then when he resisted temptations, it said he came out of the wilderness with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you be, learn to say no to the enemy, you begin to tap into an intimacy with God. I don't desire anything from the world anymore because I've seen Jesus. Does anybody know what I'm talking? Have you experienced this Jesus that I'm talking about? That the world has nothing to offer because the enemy is trying to trigger you to get you to bow. This is why we're seeing in the news and stuff. They're trying to force agendas down your throat, trying to say that we, we, we keep hearing it, that pretty soon, the church is going to be done away with. My butt, the church is going to be done away with. We serve a living God. Whether we got to have church in American jail or not, it's going to be the church of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't make excuses when he was in jail. What did we say earlier? To live is Christ and to die is gain. But if the American dream is all you're after, you are about to be let down extremely. Jesus, you, ha I, you have to make up your mind. We are about, it, it's not if the, the storm is coming. Things are going to get crazier and crazier. And if you don't settle in your heart that Jesus is the reward, but what you want is the reward or what you want from God 
your promotion, your things like that. God will bless you, all those things. But there's going to come a time that is not going to matter. And if that's where your focus is, you are setting yourself up for the, the worst kind of frustration. Help us, Lord. So then, I'm going to set the scene a little bit more as we continue to read. Verse 8, instead of reading, I'm just going to paraphrase so we get to where we need to get to here. But <laughs> what happens is people are bowing. As everybody know, jealousy is a real thing. Did you know how the Pharisees hated Jesus so much? Did you know you could be 100% right and get crucified? <laughs> Ask Jesus about it. 100% love, 100% like every, Jesus did every, would anybody think Jesus did anything imperfect in here? He did everything perfect and got crucified for it. Some of you get mad if somebody just misunderstands you. Could you imagine Jesus? always being right. Like there was never a time like I really meant to say that not happening. He only said what the father told him to say and he was crucified for it. And Jesus even told his disciples, they hate me. They're going to hate you. Once again, that's not the, that, 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 it's not the message you'll hear normally, but it's, it's from the master's lips nonetheless. So the Babel, the Babylonians of this time they're very jealous that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have positions being Israelites, and they know that they honor their God. So what they do is they tell King Nebuchadnezzar, these little snitches, everybody hates snitches, right? It's like, <laughs> the devil is a snitch. It's the spirit of a snitch. It's the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. He goes and he accuses, makes up stories, and then so what happens <laughs> is that they start saying that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not bowing to you, king. They're not bowing to you. He's, you see, they're trying to strike his, you know, just stroke his ego. And they're like, they're not bowing to you. They're not bowing. And what happens is that King Nebuchadnezzar gets infuriated. What do you mean they're not bowing? Do you see this is going to happen in the world? That the world is going to realize, wow, the church is not just going along with our agenda. Let's take this or let's try to do this. But we... We, we're going to get to the good part of what's going to happen to us if we stay true to what God is saying. But do you realize you're going to have to draw lines in the sand on what you believe? Amen? Is, this, is, is the Bible very clear about certain morality, very clear on certain things? It's like we have to get this in our heart and understand where we are headed. And so if you go with me to verse... 13, this is after King Nebuchadnezzar finds out about what's going on. It says that then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Isn't it? It's one thing to not listen to the threat of the enemy from a distance. But what happens when the person that has the authority to put you in a fiery furnace is standing before you. You see, this is Satan now coming through King Nebuchadnezzar. This is no longer like some people in the room. It's easy to kind of say, no, I would do that. But what happens when now you're face to face? Because you see the devil, Joel said it earlier. 
And it's this, the devil always overplays his hand into God's perfect plan, always. But you, you see, the devil is going to take you to the limit because he wants to see, he's going to go all in to see if you're bluffing or see if you have a full house of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? He's going to see if you're bluffing or if you got a full house of Jesus. He's going to see what's going on in your heart and he will take you all the way because he knows that he's done for. So he's just got to try to stall and stop the bleeding. So he's going to see and take you to the limit to see if you're going to say, I serve the Lord God. How many, like, let's be real. How many Christians in America do you think have the spiritual stamina, the relationship with God to say, I will stand for God no matter what punishment you bring upon me. I mean, let's just be real. I, I want to be real with you all. I, that's why I'm in the secret place daily making sure I'm, I'm even getting close to that. I'm just being real with you. I want to say in, in, by faith in my heart that that's where I'm at. But I have to be in the secret place every day to weigh what do I value as most important. Amen? So when you're reading, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, it is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods. Is this true? That you won't worship the gold image which I set up? <laughs> this is happening, right? You, you Christians aren't okay with our agenda? You're, you're gonna, you think it's important to go worship your God together? You think that the way that God wrote those things in the book is still important today? No, that book was dated. We, we gotta, we're, we're more intelligent now. This is what's happening. And not only is it happening now, Paul talked about it was happening even back then when he wrote the letter of Colossians and so forth. People thinking that they know everything. That Jesus, yeah, Jesus is cool. Remember, we said this recently on a teaching. A false teacher won't deny Jesus is important. He'll just dethrone his divinity. People won't deny Jesus is important. Hey, if that's your way to be cool, awesome. No, it's not my way to be cool. He's my everything. And that you need to know him because you're going to have a day. We say this all the time, that when you get to heaven, God's not going to be the God you thought he was. He's going to be the God he said he was. Right? Amen. So we have to get this in our heart. We have to understand. Amen. So as you keep reading, verse 15, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn. So he's setting them up. He's like, here's your last chance. I heard you're not going to do it, but my boy, they're about to play the song. We're about to play Babylon. It's about to be Babylon Idol. <laughs> We're about to play the song and you're going to bow down. Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, and the symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Do you see this mockery? Do you see that they have no respect for God? But it's not your rhetoric. You can't just talk somebody into it with theology. Somebody's gonna have to say, do whatever you want to do because I serve God. Is anybody with me here tonight that no matter what's coming down the pipe, are you making a decision in your heart that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? It's not as for me and my house, we're going to serve what the president thinks is best or what this is. If it's against what God's word says, 
Come on, am I, am I, that we have to draw a line. And you have to trust God. You have to trust God because there's going to be a time that you can't trust anybody but Him. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was plenty of other Hebrews and Israelites that could have stood up, but these were the only three that had a conviction. Are you kidding me? After they saw God and heard the stories of being delivered out of Egypt, hearing the stories of, of Abraham and hearing about this God that did miracles, here they are just sitting there under captivity of this king, bowing and completely disregarding the second commandment. Why? Just because long as I can just be okay and don't cause any ruckus, you know, I'm okay. Well, if you're hanging around us, we're, we might get into some trouble. <laughs> Not because we're trying to be disrespectful, it's because we're trying to respect God. And see, and this is what happens here, is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pipe up. Are you ready? Yeah. You excited to hear what they say? Let me remind you what they say here. What these guys got to say. And they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know, if some translations, they say we, have, we, we don't even have to defend ourselves. You know what they're saying? We're not going to fight our way out of here. Like, we're not going to kick your guards over and try to get out. You want us to bow? This is what they go on to say. We're not going to fight our way out of here. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able. Everyone say able able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king now here's the next verse that's not as exciting <laughs> but if not you, it almost sounds like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego are saying God is able and he's willing but we just want you to know that even if God does not deliver us from this fiery furnace Guess what, Joker? Let it be known that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That they're saying that our allegiance is with him alone, and he's able to, and he will deliver us. But we just want you to know, just for the record, if our butts go in there and we all burn, let everybody know that we went in there serving the living God. And this is what Paul said. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That you want to throw me in that furnace, make my day. Because I want my children and I want everybody around me to know that I love Jesus. And I'm not bowing down to your little agenda and your little program because you built a 90-foot statue of gold. You can invest all this money into trying to indoctrinate children in the world with your agendas. And the government's trying to slam things down your throat. Don't bow. Because if you don't bow, you won't burn. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. You ready? If you don't bow, you won't burn. Tweet it. I'm not just playing. But, but what happens, it gets, it gets even better. Are you ready for this? You would think that that would be enough. Like, that, what a climax, right? Like, King's like, you better bow. There's the fiery furnace. And these boys are like, our God is able, he's willing, even if he doesn't, you're still losing. We know who we serve. 
is this our heart? Is this where we're at? I want to be there, and I, I believe that we're getting there as a body. But let's, let's read, because this is, this is it right here. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed. <laughs> Has anybody seen that type of anger before? Has it been, been growing up before, and mom gets that look? When you did something, you know, you see, all of a sudden, the expression changes. Ooh. What it is, is it's Satan manifesting through Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, what? Because Satan is used to people bowing to him. He's used to going to God, going, nani, nani, boo, boo. Another one of your servants bites the dust. Another one of your servants cowers. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just think about God up in heaven. Like, he's up there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing before Nebuchadnezzar, and they said what they said. God's like, yes! He's like, I finally can put my stamp on somebody that serves me. God is waiting for some people to say, no matter what, I will serve God. Or is that you tonight? What are you looking at tonight? Because when you're looking at him, everybody's, what is this guy looking at? What is this guy? Look, that's what people should be saying to you. What are you looking at? Because what is everybody else looking at right now? They're looking at the news. I, I, I want to even share this. And I, I, I know this is a little bit of a, I'm telling on some, somebody, but when we were out on the street Saturday, did you know the people that were most hungry for Jesus were people that aren't in church, aren't into a church thing? Did you know that the, the, the and Brian can testify, one of the people that was the most, not, I wouldn't say rude, but just so fast and wanted to get by us, was wearing three latex gloves, triple masked, and we just said, hey, is there anything you need prayer for? Oh, I go to church every week, and I'm all prayed up, and I just kept moving on. I was like, well, hey, is there anything, you know, just, oh, uh, uh, uh. She's going to bow. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, because, and I'm not saying that people, you know, some people are at different levels taking precautions or whatever, but I'm just saying that when you know who you serve and you see a brother or sister in Christ that's loving and going after Jesus, you see the church right now is being indoctrinated with fear and just giving in to so much. We need a couple Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's to say, you know what? You know what? Make my day because I serve the living God. You know what I'm saying? I hope I'm preaching right, people. Because the reason God's releasing a message like this is because there's probably a couple fiery furnaces coming up for some people. And you better be ready. It's one thing to shout about it in church, but it's another thing to shout about it in the furnace. So when we keep reading... Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, his expression changed, we already got over that. Toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than was usually heated. Ooh. Let me ask you a dumb question. You ready? How hot does fire have to be to burn you? You got to hear this, right? How hot does fire have to be to burn you? It just has to be fire. But the enemy likes to try to intimidate you. Let's make it seven times hotter just to see if they'll bow before they go in. But if you realize 
He's just got all the same tricks, nothing new. His plan will backfire on him. Are you ready for his plan to backfire on him? Because he heats it up seven times thinking that's going to hurt them more. But guess what? <laughs> He's overplaying his hand. Verse 20, and he commanded certain mighty men. Everyone say mighty men. Of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. So they get bound, tied up before they get thrown into this furnace. They're tied up. Now, it then says, these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turban. Every time I read trousers, I just think of like some underwear with hearts on it or something. Like it just, like, it just seems like, even though that's not what it was, but it's just, you just, I just think of the Looney Tunes or something like trousers and stuff. It's totally not what it is, but that's just letting you know what happens when I read the Bible. Um, trousers, their turbans, and their other garments were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he heated the fire up, and Satan, the people, you got to think of Nebuchadnezzar being a, a, a symbolic nature of Satan, that the people, Satan's minions, were the ones that got hurt because of his plan to heat it up. But guess who was not hurt by it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he throws them into the fire. And then in verse 23, it says, These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Everybody say, then. Amen. This is the verse. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look! What are you looking at? He answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Let me share something with you. <laughs> Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus. He's making a special guest appearance in the book of Daniel, and he's coming out strong because it's amazing that they went inbound. Do you know what this shows me? They were more bound outside of the furnace than they were inside the furnace. There's so many Christians asking God to put the fire out instead of put me in the fire and let me show the world who the fourth man is. <laughs> let me show the world who's in the fire with me. Because why would Jesus show himself in this story? He could have appeared anywhere. Why does he appear in the midst of the fiery furnace? Because he's showing us where he likes to appear in our life. Somebody's got to get that tonight. You're wanting God to appear with you while you're skipping down the street and picking dandelions. And that's amazing. And he will do that. <laughs> but you know when you get a true revelation of who God is? When you say, no matter what is happening, my reward is his presence, not what's going on around me. That I know that what the enemy meant for evil, that God will turn it around for good. And whether it's from the enemy or from God, if I submit it to him, he'll turn it into something beautiful. But there's so many people, there's so many people saying, well, I, I just can't focus because this isn't right. This shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. Let me tell you a story that I was reminded of today. 
I knew a man, and Joel, it's so funny you would be here this night because you'll remember when Joel and I used to be in a, a praise and worship traveling band, Lady at the Well and Maylet, your last name, credit, and then we used to travel and do things, and I knew a, a, a gentleman that had a family, and he, he had a wife and two kids just, just a few years older than me at the time, and this was probably, wow, 12, 13 years ago. Um, and when, when this took place, this man got diagnosed with cancer. And he, he, he's like, I mean, he was fit. Like, he was a, a bodybuilder. Like, it was, it was, it was devastating. And I knew him, and he loved Jesus so much. In fact, I looked up to him, like, a lot. And, and hear me, if I get emotional, it's not because I miss him. It's because of what the impact he had on my life. That he used to call me to come over his house. And people were praying and believing for healing. And he believed it too. But he said, Dom, could you just come over and leave worship for me? He would just say, could you come over and bring your guitar? It just lead me to the presence of God. I already have four. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the fourth man. It's the fourth issue. But what? Thank you so much, Jesse. But what happens is he said, would you just come to my house and lead worship for me? And I would go over there. And, you know, I would lead worship, and I would just see this man that everybody's believing for his breakthrough, and he would just get on his face and say, I just want my family to see that I will not bow to cancer, but I will only bow to Jesus. And he loved Jesus, and he did. He did pass away. But you know what? He left such a mark in my life. And we need people like that, that it doesn't matter. We're trying to figure out theological jigsaw puzzles. Like, why has this person got this? But I just want to see somebody that says, I don't care what's going on, that I'm going to love Jesus through the midst of it. And I want to see people have a victory in that. Amen. So many people are, are hung up on why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? Stop getting hung up on a question when he hung on a cross for your answer. Love Jesus well. Love Jesus well. There's some things that there's variables to. Yes, it's God's will to heal. It's God's will to heal. And we will pray for healing. We will believe for breakthrough. But I, it's not that God didn't heal. It's not that. It's just did you not bow? Did you not bow to whatever it was? And you let Jesus be known. And this fourth man is seen here, and there's, there's just times in your life, and I know Joel can even testify. He was sharing before. He diagnosed with cancer, and he's completely healed. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's even a testament. Didn't they even say that you wouldn't even be able to have more children? You've had two since they've said that to you. So he's got three children. You know, they t it's a miracle. It's amazing. And Joel contended for that. But he would stand up here and tell you that it's just because he, f he kept falling more in love with Jesus. I would hear him on the phone when he was going through all those. And there's people in the room like Joe Navarre and people that, you know, with him during that time. And now, look, a church is being birthed out of that because he got a revelation of the fourth man in the fire. He got a revelation. Some of you need to get a revelation that you're waiting for a peachy day. But God says, I want to meet you in the middle of the storm to show you I'm the one that can speak peace to it. I'm the one that can show you how real I am. You want to know how real God is? Then 
then you just need to say, God, I follow you no matter what. Because when you choose to honor God, the furnace will choose you. They didn't ask to go in the furnace, but because they chose to honor God, the furnace chose them. All the other Israelites didn't go in the furnace because they were okay with being bound. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we serve God, and whether he delivers us or not, we're not gonna bow. But guess what, God said, I haven't seen faith like this. Guess what, these boys are getting delivered, and they, I need them to still be on the earth to show everybody how they're a bunch of smucks and need to get with it. How many want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Let's go even more. How many people want to be like Jesus? Amen. I want to be the fourth, like the fourth man in the fire. So this is the final things in closing. I want to share that the cross, the cross was the result of Jesus refusing to say no to the Father. I don't know if you ever thought about that. It's the same thing, that Jesus honoring God his yes to God was why the cross chose Jesus. It's, it's in all of our lives that we don't realize that you're going to come to a place where you're, you honoring God is going to bring you to places where you didn't think you wanted to be or wanted to go, but he is going to meet you in such a way to reveal who he is. And no matter what that is you're going through. And yes, you need to understand that the enemy is after He's after, but the cool thing is, is that we've been talking about it for weeks, God will turn the enemy's plans on their head if you just focus on Jesus. There's some, some of us gotta watch not to give the devil too much credit. You hear me? Don't give the devil all this credit. He's defeated. Do you, do you ever see anybody at the end of the year giving the Browns a bunch of credit? I know they got better recently. I, 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 <laughs> I know they got better recently, but, but what I'm saying is like, whoever's defeated all the time, you're not like, you know, you know, you're not giving them a chance. You're not, why do we give the enemy all this chance? Why do we say, oh, he's doing this, doing this? No, where are your eyes at? What are you looking at? Because when you're looking at him, he's a defeated foe. Because when you're looking at victory, the more you see Jesus, the more the enemy's exposed. But a lot of times people think the more I focus on the enemy, I'll learn more about deliverance, I'll learn more about all these things, but the more you see Jesus, as soon as you see the devil, you're like, oh yeah, you fool. You're defeated. And you realize where things are at here. Now, as we keep going, I wanted to share this, encountering Jesus, is a permanent experience. It's not a one-time experience. It changes you forever from the inside out. When your yes, when your yes gets tested, his glory gets manifested. When your yes gets tested, his glory gets manifested. So in verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't it so funny? They're like in a furnace, and he's just having a casual conversation. Hey, guys, since you're, since you're not dead, why don't you come out, and we'll have some tea? It's like ridiculous, right? Of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, the administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Say that again. The fire had no power. 
do you see you have to get this in your heart tonight saints you have to understand that God wants to take you to a place to the thing that seems like the greatest threat of the enemy actually has zero power over you. You just have to step in to actually find out. He's just a, he walks around like a roaring lion, but he has no bite. The fiery furnace, with the enemy, we said this a few weeks ago as well, that, that the instrument that the enemy uses to take you out will actually be the instrument God uses to get you to your destiny. The vehicle the enemy uses to take you out is the vehicle God will use you to get you to your destiny. He always overplays his hand. So verse, it says that the bodies, the fire had no power. It says the hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Isn't that phenomenal? Not even smell of smoke. That even their garments, that, that goes to show that anything that's even touching you. This is amazing. That's why you look at your neighbor and say, you should be glad I'm, I'm with you. He's <laughs> like, you want to be with me in the fiery furnace. Do you look around the room and you see some people like, I'll take them in the fiery furnace with me. Is that what, that's how you want to be. You want your faith to be, I want to be, I, you know, I want Nick with me. I want Dave with me. I want people that like I can count on that when we go in this fiery furnace, we're going to see Jesus in a greater way. Amen. So, finally, 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their house shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Isn't that a change of tune? And then finally, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Final thing I want to say is I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that Nebuchadnezzar gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego their names? This is crazy. If you read chapter 1, he actually turned their names into Babylonian names. Their original names, Shadrach's original name was Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious. Do you know what Shadrach means? The command of Eku, the moon god. Nebuchadnezzar changed their names from honoring God to honoring moon gods. And then Meshach's name meant who is Aku, but his original name was Mishael, which means who is like our God. And then you have Abednego, and his was the Nebu, the sun god, but actually his name was Azara, which is Yahweh has helped. And when they took a stand for God, what happened was, is that God showed Nebuchadnezzar that their original value and who they were created to be in Christ was bigger than what the world tried to label them as. What their identity was, that the world tried to say that this is who you really are. You are just, you're just a pagan, you're just this. But when they took a stand for God, God restored their intimate value and who they really were. You don't know who you really are until you take a stand and say, I'm gonna serve God and I'm not gonna bow down to the agenda of the enemy and what's going on. Is there any saints that are with me tonight that this register? Yeah.